0: You
1: like
0: Fireboy? boy? I do. You're listening to Your Tables on Fire. A weekly conversation with the hottest game designers on Kickstarter. Here comes your host, Jeff Beck. Hello, hello. Thanks for tuning in to Your Tables on Fire. Somehow we've reached it to episode 30. With me today we have a special guest. This is Lucy Kiefer, the founder or a founder I should say of Kiefer Art and the co-designer of Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty's web. Lucy, welcome to Your Tables on Fire.
1: Uh thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: It is our pleasure. Lucy, will you take a minute and introduce yourself?
1: I'm Lucy Kiefer. I'm part of a I suppose a founder of Kiefer Art which is a very, very small game company. Uh, and I am the co-designer of the game Moriarty's Web, Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty's Web, rather. And it's currently on Kickstarter. It's a light strategy, cooperative crime-solving game that you play on this board of moving tiles. The start the first idea was what would happen if you played Pandemic on a Carcassonne board. And this is what I came up with. <laughs>
0: I love it. That's great. Well, before we get too far into Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty's web, Mm -hmm. I want to get a feel of kind of what got you into gaming. Uh, You (laughs) know, where did you get your start?
1: Okay. um, It's kind of silly. I have never, ever not been into gaming because I was raised in the board game design industry, which is is totally a thing, by the way. It's not a large thing, but it's totally a thing. (laughs) Uh, Dad has been a board game exec at Everywhere, Mattel, M- Mattel, Milton Bradley, Spin Master, my entire life. So my entire life, I have been being brought in for play tests, or having Dad take prototypes home and me playing the prototypes, and then Dad asking me, "How? Why does this? Pl- why does this game work? Why does this game not work? How could this game work better? What parts of this game doesn't work?" You know. So that has literally mm. been always, and i I, uh, I guess I, I I just took to it um, probably more than my sister more than my sisters did who had more or less the same thing. I got really into it I was in fact um, oh i love I love board games, I love strategy board games. I was banned from playing D d until I got accepted into a college. <laughs> Dad was worried that if I once played D&D, that would be it. That would be my life. Uh, uh, now I play D&D, though.
0: <laughs> well, so now your father, that, that's Jim Kiefer. Yes. And tell us a little bit about him, since he can't be here to defend himself. Tell us some of his accolades.
1: Yes, he would agree with everything I said. <laughs> uh uh my dad jim Kiefer, uh started in the started in the toy and game design industry well before i was born has been it ever since his first job was was doing he was uh, was on he-man back in the 80s he designed when he was about 21 the cult classic thunder road which seems to get some play still. He was at Mattel for ages after that. He did all of the Harry Potter games, were him. Um, most of the Uno brand, all of the Uno expansions were his. Uh, he was at Spidmaster after that, did a ton of games there. And these days, he is an independent game designer and independent game consultant, and he works with, you know, the Stratego people and that sort of thing, as well as obviously inventing. His own stuff, uh, "Rotten Apples," was was one of his mm. was one of his recent ones, and I, especially since I've graduated college, but even when I was in college, was kind of pre- was kind of a dad's game design apprentice. So I would write so I would write content for games, help design games, that sort of thing. I've been doing that sort of thing always. Wow. Ever. Mm. <laughs> That is an
0: amazing uh, story, amazing upbringing. I think, I know I, for one, am yeah. very jealous. I'm sure most of my listeners will be too. So so tell us what that's like growing up with a game design father. You know, did he ever bring some prototypes home that were just completely broken?
1: Oh, yeah, that that sort of stuff happens all the time. Like, that's just, uh, let's see, if is there anything that particularly stands out? I'm not, I'm, hmm. I'm not sure like the whole thing about is you learn is you when you're brought up this way you learn how to think of games very critically like similarly to if you have any kind of a film criticism background you watch a film and it's not very good but you can say oh yeah this this bits poorly care this, this per- character's badly badly written or badly characterized this pacing's off the ending you know is not thematically related to the rest of it and that's all very very similar to the way i think of board games and usually even in a terrible board game there's a little bit you can circle like put a box around and be like this bit works how can i make the rest of the game like this bit mostly the really bad games are when somebody's trying to are the educational games <laughs> when somebody when somebody wants or somebody is trying to pitch a game about healthy eating habits or something. That's just because that's not what a game is. It's not what a game is for. Which is weird that Monopoly is like the nth 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 of board games, the one that everybody knows about because right. it's a it was invented as a for, I swear I'm probably not allowed to swear. It was invented as a as a, as a educational <laughs> game to teach how capitalism is bad and particularly monopoly so it was never really designed to be fun I don't think
0: <laughs> So and, and you know that the irony of monopoly is that now we all play it going yes capitalism I will dominate
1: okay. Well you see the thing about uh, capitalism and monopoly is that it's really fun being the one person with all the money which is how the game always trends and it's it's really fun being that one person <laughs>
0: <laughs> who knew who knew so so you said that you became your father's apprentice and mm-hmm. started working with him on some designs tell us about was that a very natural evolution
1: Oh, that happened very naturally. Like, I'd been doing smaller versions of that my whole life, and it was sort of... When Dad started uh, inventing and consulting independently, it just made sense that I would do more of that, but it was easier because instead of having to literally move myself to Mattel or Spin Master, he was just doing it at the kitchen table, and I was by the kitchen Mm -hmm. table. So I start doing it then.
0: Hmm. You you mentioned that uh you've been doing the you know some design for some time. So tell us about the very very first game you designed.
1: Oh, the very first game I designed?
0: Y- yes. Oh, it was a you know preschool whatever. What do you got?
1: Oh god, that was when I was like 8 and that was a an item collection. <laughs> that was an item collection game that I did for a contest. Uh that was basically the idea. Was you had to decorate your decorate your room, and there was there was a little bit of a you had to decorate your room, and there was sort of a resource management angle that you could either shop at like the at like the boutiques or the garage sale, and like the thing <laughs> at the boutiques was expensive, but you know good, and like the thing at the garage sale was was cheap but kind of shitty and would probably break, and it it, it, it was. It was cute. It was little and it was cute. And I did all of the pictures for it because I also <laughs> draw. Although I also draw, although I, my God, I didn't draw this current game that I'm talking about now. That would be my uh, sister, who is a much more talented artist than I am. Yeah, that would be the very first. Oh, Dad, dad always attributes the earliest um, board of the Harry Potter Mystery at Hogwarts game to me, mm-hmm. which is cute of him. It didn't look anything like the final board, <laughs> so I don't think that's fair. Oh, oh, I did um, I did legitimately fact-check Harry Potter trivia when I was younger. That probably counts.
0: Wow. So are you quite the Harry Potter fan?
1: Yes. Yes, I am. A little bit of a recovering Harry Potter fan now, perhaps, but very much still <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs>
0: well, now, I also read, uh, it sounds like you're quite the, the Sherlock fan.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. um, I might in fact be a borderline professional Sherlock fan. I like write articles about Sherlock Holmes sometimes.
0: Yeah, I've read that. So tell us what these articles were.
1: Oh, oh well this is this is complicated. There's this whole like <laughs> underbelly of Sherlock fandom, right? And they're really, it's really old. Like, it's sort of like a secret society. All of these all of these Sherlock Holmes societies and clubs like date from the th- thirties they're they're old and they're all like real and they all like meet in like really legitimate like like fancy new york clubs and things it's the only way i'd ever be able to get into these places and they <laughs> write and they have this little subculture where what you do is you write well essentially fan fiction but you write in an essay form so like you so arthur conan doyle wrote the Sherlock Holmes stories, this was kind of his side job. He didn't take it all that seriously. So he never fact-checked anything. Like, Hmm. hilariously so. He, like, forgets Watson's first name. (laughs) Like, he does. He forgets, like, really, truly basic stuff. Like, Professor James Moriarty has a brother called Colonel James Moriarty, because that is a thing that makes sense. (laughs) No, like... Like, no, like, but but that's the thing. But like, like the little game that these guys play with these stories is no, 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 no. But they're not really mistakes, really. If you think about it from this really, really spurious, weird angle, and you're right. Well, let's see. This little de its like this little detail isn't isn't really just like like a character with like an odd detail about them doesn't seem to fit. And then you just sort of extrapolate outward from there, like. I'm doing. I'm saying logically, and I'm doing finger quotes, like, and be like, well, it makes sense if he was actually selling illegal opium the entire time. I'm, so, I'm 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 sorry. This is just like I I I adore this. I'm very very into this Sherlock Holmes, you know, underbelly. And now, of course, we have the new kind of kind of the new wave of Sherlock Holmes fans, which we brought in, which got brought in with the Robert Downey Jr. movies and Benedict Cumberbatch and. Um, right and elementary and that's and that's got like a whole different flavor to kind of the love and the fanship and all that good stuff uh but it's it's all it's all good and i love it and i also know a very very great deal about Sherlock Holmes possibly more than i know about harry potter and i know a very great deal about harry potter
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's pretty good uh so you know that leads us into your game Was that always the intent, was to to draw this love of Sherlock Holmes into a board game?
1: It's always bothered me, always, that there isn't a really good Sherlock Holmes board game. Like, it seems like there should be, and there's just sort of not. You have stuff like Consulting Detective and 221B that are just... They're like logic puzzles. They're like little... mm, they're like little mind teasers that essentially you can play through once and never again. And I just it just didn't seem right. It's like Sherlock Holmes. He solves crimes. He refers to crime solving as a game. There there ought to be one. Mm-hmm. And and when kind of it this is my first game that I've invented in sort of a more this is the first game I've invented not in an amateur capacity I guess this is this is a proper game that I did a that I did a proper job with and it's clever and it's interesting and it has unusual gameplay mechanisms and the thing took like 3 months to balance and you know it's a very proper game mm-hmm. and it just of course the first game I'm going to make is about Sherlock Holmes both because I love it so much I I know so much about it and I kind of Underst- and I'm kind of in the Sherlock Holmes fan world as well so
0: right right well so for those that aren't familiar with Moriarty's web you introduced it briefly but but give us the the pitch you know what what is the game about
1: okay so um i had two kind of major things that i was pulling from to de- design this game one was this i love cooperative games i don't think they are enough i wanted it to be a cooperative game I also love the moving tile board that you get in Carcassonne and honestly, a lot of Ravensburger games. Uh, I really, really like Ravensburger games. My other thing mm-hmm. is that my favorite, my, my slightly controversial favorite Sherlock Holmes adaptation at the moment is actually Johnny Lee Miller in Elementary. And he does this, this when he solves crimes, he, does, he makes these sort of crime-solving collages across the wall that you know is is all the clues and all the all the suspects and all the you know witnesses and they're co- and they're connected up with like bits of bits of string you know like you know conspiracy theory like
0: right conspiracy theory
1: like like um you know JFK second bullet style and they just look really cool so i wanted a game that looked like that so what my game is it's it's a game that's totally played on mo- on moving tiles and moriarty is a evil Professor Moriarty is a tile. He's in the center. And there are all the unsolved crimes in London. And they're also tiles and they're sort of around him. And what you have to do is you have to build a case out of clues and witnesses and informants that are, in, that are other tiles. And the idea is to connect Moriarty to all the crimes in London because he's clearly behind all of them. You just need to figure out how. And right. you end up getting a kind of web looking thing. And a huge part of it, because it is a cooperative game, is you play against Moriarty. And Moriarty is a deck of cards. And at the end of your turn, Moriarty has his turn. And on his turn, the cards tell you what to do. And and he steals clues, and he kidnaps witnesses, or he kidnaps you. And he just does lots of things to mess up your case. And then, you know, mm-hmm. the next person on their turn have to, like, try and fix, try and fix the damage he did, and that's where a lot of the moving board comes in. It's like, all right, he took, a, he took this important clue, but if we connect, you know, this leg of the case over to this witness, then it, it'll still work. We can still, you know, keep the chains unbroken. And that's more or less it. A lot of the strategy comes from... Um, you, you play as different Sherlock Holmes characters, your Holmes, your Watson, your Irene Adler, your Mrs. Hudson, or your Inspector Lestrade, or Lestrade as television shows tend to pronounce it, and they all have little abilities, like little little ways they're able to break the rules that that suit their personalities. So, which combination you play with, even such things as what order you play in, like like who goes when, who goes first, contributes a lot to whether or not you can kind of beat Moriarty.
0: Hmm. So how long have you been working on the game?
1: Five months? Mm-hmm. Five and a half months? Not that long. It went, things went kind of fast. And also the Kickstarter was sped up because we wanted it to be available for Christmas if you were willing to pay the sort of rush shipping charges, which many people are, so that's great.
0: So the very first version, did it look, did it feel very similar to what you have now or has it evolved much over time?
1: Well, I always, the way both me and dad design games is we start with what we want them to look like. You know, we want them to look cool. And that usually suggests a a neat gameplay mechanic. So we always sort of knew what we wanted it to look like. But, I I mean, so much of this game is the skin. Our, 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 Our first versions of the game were so just just little bits of paper with things written on it that were just extremely ugly, hard to play with. But most of this game has really been the balancing. It's just a lot of balancing, a lot of playing the game through many, many times with many, many combinations of the characters to get it to where Moriarty is neither too... It, to get to, get it to a point where Moriarty isn't actually impossible to beat and also isn't too easy to beat because that's boring and i'm I'm, and i'm very happy with what it came up with but it's tough because it's a cooperative game so that needs to balance and then you have to balance everybody's abilities so everybody's abilities need to be the same amount of powerful the same amount of useful and like there doesn't and, and there can't be a combination of abilities that just make the game either impossible to win or you play with these three characters and you just win every time
0: well tell us about the balancing process how did you go about doing that
1: you play the game. It's it's sort of not very romantic. It's you play the game a lot of times. Sometimes Dad and I would just play it together. We'd both like play. We both play two characters. Sometimes I would play it through myself with like like three stuffed animals because that's actually easy. Makes it easier to keep everybody's everybody as a separate player in your mind. That doesn't mean I'm insane. I swear to God, it doesn't mean I'm insane. Uh, but yeah, or you just play it with yourself, which is doesn't mean I'm insane or really sad even though that's what my little sister keeps thinking it means um (laughs) and you just play it over and you play it and then you're like okay was that a satisfying gameplay and experience and it's like yes or no was Moriarty too difficult to beat was Moriarty too easy to beat even though Moriarty beat me did it seem fair did it seem fun and it's like it's I don't know it's very intuitive at least it's very intuitive for me Probably because I've just been doing it always. This stuff is as nat- this is as natural to me as like walking. And you just play it, and you play it, and you play it until it works, and then you play it again and make sure it still works because it is a because it is a cooperative game. So you know you can get weird card distribution and stuff like that. It's just you have to make sure it works even with that. And yeah, that's that's how that's how you balance a game. You just play it, and then you stop when it's broken, and then you talk about why it's broken, and what do you have to fix about the rules to make it not broken, and then you play the new version, and then you know, rinse and repeat, <laughs> for like three months.
0: <laughs> so, at what point did you say, okay, enough is enough, it's good, let's let's stamp it, and let's move on?
1: Uh, when you were winning, when we were when we were winning either, when we were winning one out of three games. That was always the ratio we were going for. We want to have hmm. it. So if you play four times, you'll lose three times and win once. Hmm. And, and that's sort of, we, we, there are hmm, part of, also in the rules, there are ways you can mitigate the difficulty. And playing with more characters makes it, makes it slightly easier. Playing with less characters makes it slightly harder. But just in general, baseline, we liked that. We liked you lose three times, you win once. That seemed correct for a cooperative game. And but also, and when you lose, it's it's kind of fun when you lose. So that's important too for a cooperative game.
0: And how do you design for that?
1: Mostly designing things so that when Moriarty beats you, he beats you very very quickly, and uh, and that even and also, it's either he beats you very very quickly, or you fight him and he beats you, but you feel like you were close, like you had a shot. That it isn't just the game screwing with you. But you you have some ownership in the Mm -hmm. outcome.
0: Well, let's talk about your campaign. Uh, So if I'm not mistaken, this is your first Kickstarter campaign. Is that right?
1: Yes, this is my first Kickstarter campaign.
0: And so far, has it been everything you expected it to be? Or have there been any surprises?
1: Um, No, actually. I've been learning so much with this Kickstarter campaign. I got a bunch more international backers than I thought I would which is why I wish I had better international shipping options for them. Goodness, that wasn't even a thing I had really considered. Uh, I, I realized that I should have really sent off review copies to get it, to get it reviewed by game reviewers before mm-hmm. the Kickstarter went live. That would have been fantastic. That's what I'll do for my next Kickstarter, I'm sure. But it's, it's, it's been lovely. It's it's been really very cool seeing just all these names of all these backers just pledging money and just all of these you know could have spent money on anything but they clicked on my game they liked my game and then they decided, they decided to spend money on it it seems very very pure somehow I I, I like and, and that's nice and uh, I don't know, people like Sherlock Holmes I guess I kind of in my in my silly head had the idea that once the Kickstarter started i'd sort of be able to you know my workload would decrease a little bit and (laughs) no, running a kickstarter is very is is a a very 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 big job but it's also a fun job so yes so i don't mind
0: yeah so so you mentioned that you hadn't sent it out to any reviewers do you have that in the works right now or are you gonna let this this campaign come and go
1: Uh, I have it. um, Basically, basically, the reviewers it's out to are Sherlockian groups Hmm. that 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 can review it kind of as a Sherlockian product. I'm (laughs) weird. I'm I'm myself probably a little bit new to the sort of hardcore gamer community, which is really weird because you wouldn't have thought that would be the case. Mm-hmm. Because there's because you know I've had just, just my life has been so very game centric, but this is the first time I'm sort of interacting with a lot of sides of that subculture. So it will be easier next Kickstarter because I will know people then, and I will know who to send it off to, and they will <laughs> know who I am, kind of. And it, it'll it'll just be better. It's fun. It's it's I I, I enjoy this 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 gaming subculture. I enjoy all these people who just, just support all these interesting looking Kickstarter games. I, I like the interesting looking Kickstarter games. I'm going to start supporting some of the cool ones myself. Once I'm, you know, once, once this is sort of resolved, Mm -hmm. it's, Mm -hmm. there's cool stuff happening out there.
0: Yeah. So what have you done to get the word out?
1: Uh, Well, I'm, I've got my, I've, I've got my social media presence and we follow and we we and we follow, and we try and retweet stuff. Um, I now have a you know entry on game, on stuff like game board geek. Uh, I'm doing podcasts like this, which are tons of fun. I did one I did another game design podcast a little bit before with some of these fantastic guys in Scotland who review board games. I hope to do a lot more because it's fun doing this. Uh, um. I've Oh, I've been going to, like, every single game-type cafe in... I'm in L.A., in the area, and there are a lot in the area. I've been going to Comic-Con and Strategic-Con and all, uh, and all these sorts of gaming conventions, which has been a lot of fun, which has been fantastic. Uh, sheesh. Um, that's probably it for now. Should do more stuff.
0: So, growing up with a a famous game designer and then, you know, design your own game. What what advice would you have for someone who's trying to design their first game?
1: Okay. People know that I I do this stuff and I think about this stuff. I I do actually get questions like that a yeah. lot and it's I think a lot of I think the problem a lot of people have is they is they write the directions before they make the prototype and they like They start having fun with directions and they keep coming up with cool cards and cool things to print on the cards and cool, like a cool skin for it. And like, you know, it's like just get the game working first, like build (laughs) a game, build a game. Don't write the directions yet. Just take like notes and build a game. And then the way you you play a game is you is you build a prototype, you if you don't know whether to make an aspect of the game like A or like B or like C, just take your best guess and try that and then just play the game. It helps if you have someone to play it with, but you don't need someone to play it with. Just play the game until it breaks, until there's something about the game that just isn't working or is, is, or is really, really confusing or isn't fun or is just contradicting some other aspect of the game or isn't or even isn't just like the way you kind of had the game playing in your head. And then you go back to the rules and you try and fix that. And a lot of times it's a balancing issue. You have too much of like this particular aspect of the game. This particular card is too powerful. Like, you know, something is, something is too useful or not useful enough, or your enemies are too powerful and they, it's, it's all just balancing. And that's it. And then you just play it and play it and play it until it isn't broken anymore. And then you're done. And then you think about pretty artwork and clever things to write on the cards and things like that. So, but I do think people, especially with board games, just keep them in their head. And it's like, you can't design a board game in your head. You need a a physical thing, even if it looks terrible, it just needs to exist.
0: Yeah, very good. Well, Lucy, it is time for at least my personal favorite part of the show, (laughs) uh, which is the game design challenge. Okay. So here's how this works. I'm going to select a game theme at random. Mm
1: -hmm. I'm going
0: to give it to you. You're going to mold over, think about it, and then pitch back to me what that game might be.
1: Okay, so you're just going to give me a skin and you want me to come up with a, good, uh, uh, with a good game to go with it? Exactly. All right, cool. You up for that? Yeah, totally.
0: This is probably, you know, a Friday night activity at the Kiefer home. I'm sure this is like nothing to you.
1: Oh, this is pretty normal. A, sp- a lot of times, because we, we, um, we do a lot of independent inventing and independent consulting, and a lot of times people come to us, it's like, so we have a name for this game. Uh huh. Uh? <laughs> we're like, that's great. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Well, then Go this on. is it. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so you're ready? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna find a a theme, and that theme is going to be worthless family heirlooms.
1: Worthless family heirlooms. Okay, that's fun. That's a bluffing game, for sure. Okay. For sure. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that's a, no, that's a game that that involves probably you're trying to get probably you've got these wor- worthless family heirlooms, and mm, they're probably they're probably like I kind of see it as a, I, I kind of see it as a card game. I don't know. I've been doing a lot of card games recently. That's probably why I'm thinking that. But I but like 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 a, a like a cute thing with like with like with, like, li- like the funny illustrations, and you've got, like, the, uh, you've got the, f- you've got the valuable family heirlooms, and you've got the worthless family heirlooms, and your idea, and the idea is that you have to pass off your worthless family heirlooms as valuable, and there's probably a way hmm. to disguise, to, to disguise them. I've been actually thinking of, like, doing a, Uh, doing a version of B of kind of BS lately. And I think you could absolutely skin that like worthless family heirlooms because that's fun. Everybody has, (laughs) everybody has worthless family heirlooms. Um, Right. Right. But the, but that's the whole thing. Like, and you're trying to, you're trying to like, you know, shove off your worthless family heirlooms on someone else and (laughs) kind of get as much and kind of get as much money as possible in the process. I suppose it could probably have sort of a munchkin-y kind of feel to it. I think like sort okay. of a Steve Jacksony kind of like like a, like a kind of Steve Jacksony kind of thing in what way just in the general sense of just in the general tone of the game and the general sense of humor of the game mm. uh it's also some it's also a subject that might lend itself to a little bit of of light strategy like perhaps you're able to like keep like a reserve like you're able to have like a hand in a reserve pile and be able to take things from your reserve pile into your hand under certain uh, under certain circumstances. Probably and probably stuff in your hands are more vulnerable, you know, can be stolen by other players. I don't know. That's that's sort of that's sort of where I would go with it for sure.
0: No, I think that sounds great. Lucy, we're going to expect this as your next Kickstarter campaign. Shh.
1: Don't worry. I've got I've I've got a I've got a card game with amusing pictures in the works. It's good. It's good. <laughs> this is sci-fi it's cute it's great
0: well lucy it's been a pleasure speaking with you this evening
1: it's been a pleasure speaking with you too this has been fun
0: good and uh best of luck to you and the rest of the campaign
1: thank you uh thank you so much everybody you support my campaign i promise you it's a fantastic game it doesn't just look good
0: <laughs> very good Very good. There will be a link to the game, or to the campaign, I should say, in the show notes. Thank you. Everyone go check that out.
1: All right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for having me on Your Tables on Fire. All right. Fantastic name.
0: Well, that was Lucy Kiefer, one of the founders of Kiefer Arts and a lead designer in the game Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty's Web. Thanks for tuning in to Your Tables on Fire. You can follow us on Twitter at TableFire. And also, check out our website for a link to Lucy's Game, www.yourtablesonfire.com. You can follow us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and BoardGameGeek. If you got some feedback, we'd love to hear it. Check out any of those sites and give us a review. Well, until next time, go light it up.